Almost every Sunday, I always feel when, when we're sharing that uh, a lot of times we don't need to be preaching because we're preaching to each other. Um, and so the, today is no exception to that. Um, I think I've said this last time I was here. Um, on a, I almost said civilian side, uh, but I'm, on my civilian side, uh, I'm a transportation director for a school district. And there are stressful days, I mean really stressful days, we're short staff and so forth. But from my, my years of pastoral ministry, and if I compare it to what I do on Monday through Friday, it does not compare. The stress level when I was doing pastoral ministry is way up there versus what I do Monday through, Monday through Friday. And so when, you know, uh, Nathan asked, hey, you know, I'm not going to be around. Can you do it? Uh, absolutely, uh, Nathan. Uh, brother, go get your R&R, &R, right? Uh, rest and be restored. Um, and one of the great things about Nathan is this, that he is, a, he is an authentic guy through and through. Right? I mean, we, we have an awesome pastor, and all the more, uh, whatever break he, 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 you know, takes, he should take it, uh, because there aren't too many authentic leaders out there, right? I mean, there, there might be, like, superstars, right? But sometimes those superstars, if you will, are not very authentic. I mean, some, some of them, you know, I grew up in Chicago, and I, you know, Willow Creek, I don't know if you know Willow Creek, but Willow Creek was right in our, in our backyard, on, and I looked up to Bill Hybels. I mean, he was one of my faith heroes. But, you know, come to light that there are some dark sides uh, to his life. Now, you don't throw away the, the baby with the bathwater, right? Uh, but it's sort of you, you, take, you are taken aback by, like, wait a minute. Here's this guy that preached powerfully and built one of the biggest churches in the United States. And here's this dark side. I don't know how to, how to bring this all together, right? I mean, we don't have to even go far. Within our own denomination, Reverend Zachariah, he was another faith hero of mine, right? And he passes away and come to light that there were dark side to his life. So how do we... How, but I know Nathan, and I know uh, perhaps there might be dark sides. I don't know. You take it up with him. But I know that he's an authentic guy. What you see on Sunday is the same thing when I interact with him Monday through Saturday, right? How will you genuinely just go ask well, one of the grandkids that might have, you know, could have gotten lost, right? And they tell, they'll tell you. Who, who their father is. And so that's why I love Nathan, because he's, he's a genuine guy, right? And we have a wonderful leader. And whenever he needs rest, he should go take a rest and be restored. Because when, when they come back, it's, the ministry is more effective, right? So we should never hark on our pastor for taking rest, because we all need rest, let's be honest, right? That being said, let's go into our passage. I'm titling our time together, uh, Stand Under, all right? Greg, like, you know, said, oh, I preach well, all this stuff, great. Like, 
high expectation. Don't, don't have high expectation, all right? <laughs> because even if I don't meet your expectation, here's the thing. God always and exceeds our expectation. And so uh, I'm leaning on God to speak to us uh, more than speaking to us, even if we don't get anything out of it. The, the fact that we were here is more than enough. Why? Because we worship the creator of the universe. I'm titling our time together, Stand Under. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. It is a very familiar passage that we're jumping into. I'm going to encourage you to sort of just crack it open, or, you know, if you're reading it through your phone or your devices, just leave it there. All right, and this is what Dr. Luke says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And I'm going to read the whole thing because Jesus speaks through... Uh, scripture. Dr. Luke says, soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with them, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was, was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of their air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew and yield a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ear to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. For Others, they are in parable, so that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those who... When they hear the word, receive it with joy. But those who, they, these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And so for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but they go on their way. They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that, in the good soil... They are those who hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus speaks in parables to make us think, and in the process to adopt a whole new perspective of life, if you will, his perspective. Jesus' parable is not just a nice little Sunday school lessons. 
with little morals to take home and try to apply to our lives. These stories are designed to unsettle us, to challenge and sometimes even offend our own understanding of the things are and should be. They are creative stories through which Jesus intentionally disorients our thinking in order to reorient our thinking around the kingdom of God. New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd puts it this way, the parables are the most characteristic elements in the teachings of Jesus Christ as recorded by the gospel. They function by arresting the hearer by their vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about it. It's precise application to tease it into active thought. Our parable in chapter 8 is the first parable Jesus is asked to explain. Why does Jesus have to explain this parable, right? Because clearly Jesus is speaking about his own ministry. He is the sower who is sowing the seed in the soil. The seed is the word of God, as he explains in 8.11. The great sower was sowing the seed of his good news in the soil of this world. The soils are hearts of those who hear Jesus' announcement that the kingdom of God has come near. And some are responding. And some are not. So the parable is about Jesus and his ministry in this world pretty straightforward, right? Then why do the disciples ask Jesus to explain it? Because this seemingly straightforward story raises all kinds of questions. Questions about the mystery of the kingdom of God, as Jesus puts it in verse 10. So, For our time together here, I want to ask a number of questions about this parable. Perhaps questions that you also bring to this parable. So question number one, who or what is the subject of this parable? Is the parable about the sower or is the parable about the seed or is the parable about the soil? Because it's called all of these three things, right? Again, the sower is Jesus. The seed is the gospel, the word of God. God's word about God's kingdom. The soil are human hearts to whom Jesus is speaking. As he is to you and to me right now. So which is it? What is the subject? And the answer is, as I see it, all three. In a dynamic interplay of one another, inseparable, the subject of the parable is the sower. The subject of this parable is the seed. The subject of the parable is the soil. Question number two. What does Jesus the sower expect of his seed in the soil? Fruit, of course, right? Mature fruit. He expects his seed to bear mature fruit. The word mature comes from the word Jesus 
teaches in the verb for bearing fruit. And the word in Greek is teleos. Teleos means the inherent destiny of a thing. The word teleos, teleos means the inherent destiny of the thing. Teleos of a, a seed is the destiny of that seed. The teleos of a sunflower, if you will, then, is to be a sunflower. The teleos of a grain of wheat is to be a wheat. A teleos of an acorn is to be an oak tree. A teleos of a human being is to be a mature human being. The seed of Jesus, the seed Jesus sows is the seed of the kingdom of God. The teleos of the seed of the kingdom of God is a life of kingdom. As he sows the seed of the kingdom into the human hearts through his speaking and announcing, he fully expects, right? Fully expects the kingdom, fir- kingdom fruits to emerge. What he develops, if you will, in the Sermon on the Mount, which he has already preached before he speaks about this parable, he fully expresses, or right, fully expects, the Sermon on the Mountainous, that's not a real word, just made it up, all right? Sermon on the Mountainous to come about. The inherent destiny of the word he sows in our hearts. So I ask you, new life. I love Sermon on the Mount, like I said. Matthew chapter 5. In your life, is there poor in spirit? Is there humility in your life? Do you mourn for the loss? Do you mourn for things that ought to be, right? Are you meek? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are we merciful? A lot of times we expect mercy, but it's hard for us to be merciful, right? Think about how you drive, right? Someone cuts you off, you're like, you're like, oh, that scumbag, <laughs> right? But when you cut someone, oh, hey, I got places to go, yo, <laughs> right? Don't honk at me, right? It, it's, it's a mysterious thing. It, it's, it's odd. Are we pure in heart? Do we have good intentions? Or do we want to flex and show people how powerful, how influential, how much authority we have? Are we peacemakers? Because Lord knows, in this world, in your hallways, in your cubicles, in your living room, we need peacemakers. Do you see the Sermon on the Mountainous in your life here in this community? James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness, and rapid wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. First Peter 1.23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but by imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Colossians 1.6, Which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, as bearing fruit and increasing 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Is the mature fruitness growing in your life, in your daily life? By the time he tells the parable, Jesus is seeing fruit emerge, right? The tax collectors are drawn to him and changing their ways. Prostitutes are drawn to him and finding a different kind of life. Fishermen are drawn to him and becoming contagious signs of the kingdom. Jesus has been sowing extravagantly and is seeing an extravagant fruit. What, I do, what do I mean by extravagant fruit? There, he is going to the outer edges of the world. Socially not acceptable people, right? Think about it. Like, let's, let's just imagine, let's just crazy imagine. A guy walks in just in his underwear, okay? I just, I don't know why I just said that, but okay, let's just go with it, right? A guy walks in with his underwear. How will we react? Will we react with kindness and love and being curious, right? Being curious about what's going on. How can we as a community of faith embrace him and love him like Jesus would embrace him and love him? In our workplaces, in our marketplaces, our coworkers that's sort of like, you know, not part of the in crowd, but on the out crowd, would we offer to, hey, let's, let's go and eat lunch together? Would we extend that grace to them? Right? That's what I mean by extravagant. Because that's what Jesus is, he's just like throwing it out there, right? <laughs> It's like, well, it's only for me, only, only for my kind of people, right? That's why a yellow person like me can come, come into this play, right? And not just for, for, you know? That's what Jesus is doing. He's just, he's just psh, let, let it land where it may. And he's seeing the fruit. And one of the most significant signs of the kingdom life is the women who are following him. Luke is taken by this. So much so that he puts their name in the book of life. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna. Oh, it rhymes. Yo, yo, okay. These women had heard the word of the inbreaking kingdom and they were healed by him. Right? They were healed by it. All three of them. Anti Wright writes this, and they have done the unthinkable. They have left the well defined social space of home and family where they had a role and duty and have chosen to accompany Jesus and his followers on a road from a place to place, looking after their needs and doing so, moreover, out of their own pockets. This is every bit as shocking from first century Palestinian point of view as the story of a woman letting, their, letting her hair down and kissing Jesus' feet. One can only imagine the looks they would get and the things people might say about such a company. But one can also imagine Jesus thinking of them as a people in whose hearts and lives the word had its effect. People who were already bearing fruit, 
putting life, reputation, property at the disposable of this extraordinary kingdom movement. These women represent what Jesus the sower expects of his seed sown in the soil of the world. Given who Jesus is and given the performative power of his word, he rightly expects to see fruit in the heart into which he speaks. I'm going to roll back here. Performative power of his word. A lot of time we read for information, right? We read for information. But when Jesus speaks, there is performative power, right? Jesus says, let there be light. Bam! There's light, right? Jesus says, be healed, and people are healed. Jesus says, Lazarus, get up. Lazarus gets up. There is performative power in his word. He rightly expects the kingdom life to emerge in us. He will say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I pointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. Gospel of John 15, 16. He rightly expects the life of his spirit to emerge in us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Why do we do fasting? A lot of it is about, hey, do we have self-control? <laughs> like, who, who's, who's, the, who's the master, right? Is it cheeseburger or is it Jesus? Or in my case, is it rice or is it Jesus, Right? then why is this not happening more? Why is the fruit not emerging in everyone who hears Jesus speak his good news? Question three. What does Jesus the sower see as the obstacle to seeds maturing in the soil? Jesus identifies four different human hearts or four different Heart conditions, if you will. First, the heart and trampled down heart. Second, the shallow, rocky heart. The third, the clutter, pulled in thousand different way heart. Fourth, the receptive heart, what he calls the honest and good heart. All of us has met people in these three, uh, four different conditions. And you would agree that in one degree or another, all four of these heart conditions are true of us. That is, there are places where there are hard places in our own hearts, where Jesus' word has not yet seemed to bear fruit. There are shallow places in our heart. There are cluster places in our heart. But praise the Lord. And thankfully, there are receptive places 
in our hearts. So soil one, the obstacle of hardness. Verse 12, the one along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Jesus is warning us that hardened hearts are very, very vulnerable. The universe is not a neutral place. He tells us that there is a real personal evil opposition to him and his kingdom. The evil one is doing everything in his power to prevent the kingdom of God from breaking into our lives and transforming this world. He preys on hardened hearts. He seeks to further hearten them to Jesus and his gospel. Why? Because the gospel means the end of the evil one's kingdom. So he makes sure, right, the hardened hearts stay Hard. He makes sure that bitter hearts stay bitter, that resentful hearts stay resentful, and that disappointed hearts stay disappointed. I wrestled a lot. Like, yeah, I want, you know, I want, John, Jonathan's like, yo, yo, 15th, you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, but then you guys, it's like, January, what do I talk, you know, how, what do I preach, do I preach about, you know, I struggle a lot about what to preach, and this is where I settled on, and it's been a crazy, crazy January, I'm, I'm telling you, it's been a crazy, um, there are so many people that are struggling with anxiety, depression, right, I mean, COVID just sort of brought all this stuff on. I mean, it was always there underneath, but it sort of let it bu bubbled up. There are so many insecure people that are out there. People who are hurt, and they hold on to that hurt. People that are bitter, and they hold on to that bitterness. People that... that Resentful, and they hold on to that, res you know, resentment. And I don't know what that is. Like, I, I, I don't. And it may be really, really bad. I'm sure it is really, really bad. But those things are like mold. You know what I mean? It, where, where do molds grow? When there's no airflow, where there's no sunshine, it's in isolation in a dark place. Listen. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Right? You got to let the light shine on those place, places. Bitterness, hurt, resentment. You got you to gotta let Jesus speak into that. You got to let the light in. I'm telling you, if you don't, it's not going in the right, it's not going to a happy place. All right? It's not going to happen, place. Jesus is warning us, whenever we hear the good news of the kingdom, but do not embrace it because of the hard places in our heart, the evil one will steal the news from us. But if we open up to Jesus' word, even a little bit, the evil one has no room to work, and he cannot take it away. 
even in the most painful places in our life, past, right, present, if we open ourselves up to Jesus and his word, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you be set free. Obstacle two, the of shallowness. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Jesus is telling us that when we welcome the news of the kingdom, we are going to find ourselves in trouble. That is, we will face temptation to back away from all, from all, from all out kingdom living. There is blessing, forgiveness, peace, healing, freedom, joy, cleanliness, intimacy, eternal life. But there is also trouble. How could it be otherwise, right? The kingdom of God has come near. We are talking about a re revelation, a revolution, if you will, a change in government. If our hearts are shallow, when the trouble comes, we will be tempted to back off. In Matthew's remembering of this parable in Matthew 13, Jesus speaks of two kinds of trouble. Tribulation and persecution. Tribulation and persecution. If we understand this, when it happens, we will not back down. Tribulation is the word thalapsis, a technical word in the New Testament vocabulary. It means pressure, something crushing pressure, the kind of pressure experienced when two forces come against one another and began to exert their energy to overcome the other. It's like a tug of war, but in the opposite direction, right? It's like two school buses coming together. All right, who's going to win, right? Jesus is telling us when we get caught up in the inbreaking of God's kingdom, we will find ourselves experiencing pressure, maybe even crushing pressure, as the kingdom of God comes up against all other kingdoms. The collision creates thalepsis, right? Jesus talks about speak the truth in love. Be honest, right? But what if by admitting that you made a mistake, your job might be on the line. Then what do you do? Right? In the last snowstorm, um, we, had, we were going uh, we to do early release. And we, made that, we made that call around 9 o'clock. That's like as soon as we got the, the students in. Right? And then... I'm telling my staff, don't go anywhere, stay put, we're going to do early release. That means, you know, we got, we're going to let high school go at 11, we're going to let middle school go at, uh, you know, 11.40, we're going to let elementary school go at their regular time. So I'm running around all over the district, and I was parking, and normally I don't back up, I, I drive a, a, you know, when I'm driving around, I drive a, a Suburban. That's only just for me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, so I'm driving around suburban all over the district, and I went to one of the, the elementary school, and I was backing it. I, know, I don't normally back, but I was 
backing in the car, and bam, I hit a car. I'm like, oh, this is, this is what I this is all this is what I need, right, on this day. But I backed into I could walk away, right? Say say nothing. Right? But you can't do that, right? Because there's cameras everywhere, right? <laughs> um, so I went in and I confessed, hey, you know, this this car, I backed into the car, it's me. I'm the transportation director. Oh. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then I, I get to the office, and then who do I have to call? I have to call my boss, right? <laughs> call the boss and say, hey, you know, I got one, something to confess. I backed into a teacher's car. It's like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> right? What do you do? You, you have to be honest, even if your reputation or even if your job is on the line. Listen, they're not going to fire me, all right? I'm a pretty, pretty good boss. But that being said, like, you have to. What are you going to do, right? Paul encourages the new believer throughout the Roman Empire, saying, through many tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God, in Acts 14.22. This is an encouragement? Yes, because it tells us the truth. There is no experiencing of the kingdom of God without some degree of thalepsis. As the kingdom of God invades the other kingdoms of our world, tensions arise. To walk with Jesus in this world is to walk in that tension. I'm telling you, when your, when your idols, like, bubbles up, and perhaps your mentor tells you, this is your idol. What do you do? I've had, I've had plenty of opportunities where I would say to young, young men and women, like, this is your idol. You're going to have to deal with that. And they just cut off all relationship, all communication. Right? Does it happen? Well, you're not, you're not going to talk to me like that. <laughs> right? You can't tell me what to do. You're right, I can't. What are you going to do? Persecution. Because of the word, right, says Matthew 13, 21. Not because of you, but because of the word. For the simple reason that the word of the inbreaking kingdom disturbs the status quo. Soil 3. The obstacle of clutter. Verse 14. And as, and as for what fell among the thorn, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Clutter hearts are one of the reasons why, for all of the preaching that takes place in the so-called the first world, our world, right? America is the first, first world. The first world is so ungospelized. We hear about all around us, but there are worries. Jesus says, all around us, riches, deceitfulness of the riches. What is the worry? It's anxiety, right? Think the anxiety because implicitly 
we know that the foundations that we are building around our lives will be wobbled if it is not on Christ. We get easily cut up in the question of our time. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall I wear? The deceitfulness of riches. Riches get us to think that these are the sources of our wholeness. Riches gets us to think that they are security because the uncertainty of the unknown future. We think if we have the right job, or we think that we, if we have the right house, if we drive the right car, if we go vacation in the right places, that that's going to be our security. Right? It's not. Because you can never have enough, right? Ooh, there, there, there's always going to be a better car. Listen. I have, a, I have a pretty good phone, right? Like, I think it's 14. Like, it's, a, it's the newest one. Wait three more months, people. <laughs> There's going to be iPhone 15. Wait another six months. iPhone 7. I, right? There's going to be a newer version of whatever car that you have next year. Like, count on it. There's always going to be something a little bit more. A little bit better. A little shinier. Question four, and I'm turning the corner. I'm heading home here, all right? Bear with me here. What then is the primary call of this parable? Jesus says, hold it fast, verse 15, and understand, verse 10. Hold fast, do not let go, and understand. This is brought out more fully in Matthew's remembering of the parable. Soil, foe, soil. For Matthew 13, verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Understand. Literally in Greek means put together. Yes, in the sense of make the connection men mentally and comprehend but more in the sense of get in line or yield to. The Apostle Paul uses the word in this sense in Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yes, understand in the sense of comprehend with the intellect, but more in the sense of get in line, yield to, even if sometimes you don't fully comprehend it intellectually. Thus, Dale Bruner suggests that the most helpful translation of the verb understand is stand under. Stand under. The way to understand is to stand under. Soil one, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not stand under the evil one, snatches. Soil four, this is the one who bears the word and stands under it. The problem is that we stand alongside the word. Or worse, we stand over it. We know better. 
God, you just don't understand what I'm going through. Forgiveness, you got to be kidding me, right? Jesus, I'm just going to hold on to this one. You can have all the other, right? But I'm just going to hold on to this. I don't know if I've, I don't know negotiation really works with God. The call of the parable is to move from standing over his word to standing under his word. Even under the word we do not yet understand. Especially under the word we do not yet understand. Jesus is telling us that kingdom life emerges when we stand under his word of the kingdom. His life emerges when we stand under his word of life. Stand under his word and watch it break up the hardness. Heal the bitterness, resentment, and disappointment. Stand under his word and watch it move through the shallowness of our life where we're not grasping things, but we're grasping the person of Jesus Christ. Stand under his word and watch it untangle the clutterness, bringing you into the freedom of the kingdom. Stand under his word and watch as the word brings forth the fruit of his spirit. You see, it turns out that the seed And the sower sows in his own life. When Jesus speaks, he gives us his life. He gives himself to us. His words are not just mere words. He says after feeding the 5,000, this, the word I have spoken are spirit and life. Whenever he speaks, he is giving us his spirit, his life. And his life will have its inherent destiny. His life spoken into us will bear his extravagantly fruitful life in us if we stand under it. It may not make sense. Right? Forgiving, forg- loving your enemies. What in the world? That jerk that always criticizes my decision? That, that person that always like, talks bad and, and, and sends horrible rumors around my entire school? You mean I have to be kind and loving to them? You gotta be. Yes. Why? Because Jesus said so. <laughs> right? How do we really genuinely have influence? How do we genuinely have a platform in which we speak speak the truth? It's, It's about how you live your life. God has strategically placed every single one of you in an environment right now. Think about that. Like it it just it wasn't random. God has strategically placed you in the position and in workplaces or in homes so that you can genuinely live out the kingdom of God. And only way in which we can really have a platform, right, the authority 
is if we stand under his word, even when it doesn't make sense, and do, I'm do what his word says. That's how we change the world. Someone asked me recently, hey, chaplain, uh, how, how do I change the world? I'm like, bro, you change the world by changing yourself. I said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, brother. You're not just going to eat an elephant. No, small steps. That's why Jesus is so patient with us. That's why when we read the same right, passages over and over, all of a sudden light goes out like, I never saw that. But bam. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that the strategic places that you have placed us, whether that is the cubicle, the hallway, the living room, wherever you have placed us, that we may genuinely stand under your word. That we would live out your kingdomness here on earth. To bring the reality of you, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of the people that you have strategically placed us to influence. Not just on social media, where that's just all, that's not the real stuff, Jesus. Where the rubber meets the road, Lord. That's where we want to have influence. That's, the, that's where we want to see the kingdomness, fruitfulness. And only place where it starts is in our hearts, in our lives, Father. Help us to stand under, help us to understand, live the truth when it is even difficult. Tribulation, persecution. Lord, give us the strength to endure, for it will come. It will come. But we need you, Lord God. For we know we our lives have been changed because of it. And God, we want to see so much of that change in our family's life, in our friend's life, in our co-worker's life in this city, in this state, in this country, in this world, God. You brought us here for such a time to be fruitful. And God, it starts by standing under your word. Help us in this. For we are not strong enough to stand on our own. We need you, Father.